and uh, welcome to the uh, A Soul's Journey series. Today we're going to be doing the um, end of, of chapter three in Tanya, and it is called, Do You Know What You Know? So um, let's go ahead and set this up right away and letting everyone know that uh, in Hasidus and in Kabbalah, knowledge is not is not the correct definition of da'at, dot with an ayin. Dalit tough means religion. Dalit ayin tough means it's, we call it knowledge, but uh, I don't think that's the correct, correct um, understanding. Perceiving, but not knowledge. And I want to share with you why. Knowledge, when we talk about knowledge, that person has a lot of knowledge. You're basically talking about an accumulation of data that is not what we're talking about about when we talk about wisdom understanding knowledge as three intellects it's an intellect an intellect you know just like we explained in um, two classes ago in the beginning of chapter three we spoke about how wisdom is one form of intellect understanding is another form of intellect they work very differently um, so too dot is an intellect it has a certain format to it it's not just knowledge accumulation of knowledge um, so let's talk about this because dot is a very peculiar intellect, unlike the first two, wisdom and understanding. So wisdom we spoke about is the dot, the flash. That's what we refer to seeing. Um, we spoke about how when you're asked a riddle and you're sitting there and all of a sudden you jump out of your seat, ooh, 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 I got it. And then when you're asked, okay, what's the answer? You say, one second, I have to figure it out because you had wisdom. And now you have to bring it into understanding. Uh, we explained that's why wisdom is the father. Just like the father hands over the DNA letter to the mother who in uh, nine months of pregnancy has to dissect it. So the, the genetic ladder, the DNA ladder has everything of the child and yet it's not a child. Um, and then comes along what the Kabbalah calls the mother understanding. And, and uh, the mother's job is like in the understanding is three dimensional. There's the width, length, and, de and depth. Um, there's the width, which is all the details. There's the, le the length, which brings it down from one metaphor to another metaphor. And then there's the depth in which you split hairs and get finer and finer and finer. So there are two different processes of intellects. Now what we need to understand is what is knowledge? What is da'at? So for starters, uh, in Kabbalah, there's a very interesting rule. You'll find that sometimes we are counting the 10 emanations and the 10 faculties. Sometimes we count it as wisdom, understanding, knowledge. That's what Chabad stands for. Chachma, wisdom, Bina, understanding, that is knowledge. However, other times you'll find it in Kabbalah and in other books of Chassidus, you'll find it not as Chabad, but as Kachab. What does Kachab mean? So the Chet and the Bet, we already know, Chachma Bina, wisdom, understanding. But what's that first letter? The first letter is a Kaf, which stands for Keter, Keser, which is the crown. So sometimes we count it crown, wisdom, understanding, and as the three heads. And then sometimes we count it as wisdom, understanding, knowledge, as the three heads. And uh, so much so that now we have a rule in Kabbalah. Bemakom she Keter nimna ein dat nimna. 
when we count keta, we don't count dot. When we count dot, we don't count keta. Uh, and and to explain very well in Hasidus, beyond the scope of this specific class, that keter, the crown, and dot have a very strong connection. And uh, when do you count crown, or when do you count uh, dot? Uh, we're going to just use the word knowledge, but it's really not knowledge is what we're going to say today, or uh, what we call knowledge in English. However, um, uh, keter and dot, uh, crown and knowledge, it depends what you're counting, whether you're counting the vessels of the light, the inside or the outside. One time you'll count crown and one time you'll count knowledge because of specific Kabbalistic reasons. Um, I'm not getting into this. The only reason I am getting into it, touching and bringing it to your attention is because you don't say that about wisdom. You don't say that about knowledge. I'm sorry, you don't say that about understanding. Wisdom and understanding are not interchangeable with the crown. The crown is nothing what to do with intellect. And yet, dot, which is supposed to be the third intellect, knowledge, is interchangeable with keter. Why? Another thing. When we talk about the tefillin of the head. So, the tefillin of the head, if you ever see the headpiece of your tefillin, you'll see that there's four boxes. The simple reason is because it says four times in the Torah the commandment of putting on tefillin. So in the hand piece, you have one box because you just take one parchment and you write and write and write and write all four. While in the head piece, you put four different pieces of parchment, each portion on a different parchment, which goes into a different compartment. So therefore you have four compartments because you have four portions that you have to write on four different parchments. Now, with that being said, in Kabbalah, everything is perfect. Why is it four times? If the whole job of the headpiece is to be the drawing down intellect, then there's three intellects. Why are there four portions? So Kabbalah gives a very, very interesting explanation. Hasidus explains it in depth that the, the third intellect, Da'at, divides into two emotions, Chesed and Gvura, kindness and sternness, uh, strictness, um, love and fear. So that's interesting. So now we're talking about how the intellect dot divides at certain times when counting it is not even counted as an intellect, but rather it divides into two emotions. So the fifth Labavitch Rebbe has an entire series built upon just understanding what dot is. What is that third intellect? So I want to share with you some stuff from secular sources, uh, just understanding, you know, from that perspective, and then bringing it into Hasidus. There is a book out there written by Malcolm Gladwell. He wrote, he wrote some very great books. Probably you heard, I think his most famous one is called The Tipping Point. Uh, he has uh, another book called The Outlaws. He has some interesting books. Uh, the one I want to talk to you about tonight is called Blink. And uh, Malcolm Gladwell is not an author as much as he's a researcher, and then he documents his research. Uh, he has a very interesting entire book about this one concept called Blink. And he explains as follows. I I'll just give you one of the examples he talks about. There was a museum in England 
um, that spent a huge, huge amount of money on a uh, statue that was supposed to be way back from ancient Egypt. Uh, of course, they wanted to make sure that it was, you know, they weren't, it wasn't a hoax. So they went and they had it tested in different laboratories and the chemicals to, to catch its date, to see if it matches with the materials that they know that were being used in that time. So they did all of that, really testing and testing before they spent millions upon millions of dollars. Then when they acquired it, they invited some of the world's most renowned specialists in this area. And it was in the basement of the museum before, I'm sorry, it was in the museum before they, uh, they were going to open it to the public. And he documents after actually interviewing these people, one by one, they all saw it separately. One by one said, oh my God, I hope you did not buy this. And they proved to be right. So much so that the, uh, the museum ended up putting it in its basement, realizing that it spent millions upon millions of dollars for something that wasn't what they thought it was. So he's interviewing this Malcolm Gladwell. He's interviewing, interviewing these people and he's asking, he asked one specific woman, what, what made you say that? I mean, this has been tested and everything. And the response was, when the first time I looked at it, my stomach turned. I knew it wasn't real. Another person said, I can't explain it to you, but it just didn't, it just, it just didn't. And he describes that this is blink. This is that blink. This is something which goes beyond testing and studies and, and, and research. There's just this developed state of intellect, almost a developed state of intuition that's more reliable even then, the research and the tests. And the reason is because they've dedicated their entire life to this. They've studied it. They've seen thousands, if not more, pieces. Um, it was, so to speak, in their blood. And that is what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about when the academic part of the brain we talk about the human mind always works in a divide and conquer format because the mind is trying to wrap its head around it. And thus it has to keep on divide, subdivide, 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 categorize, subcategorize, define, subdefine. And that's how it works its way to understanding. That's not what Blink does. That's not what Dot does. I want to share with you from a Talmudic perspective. So there's all these laws about when you find something and someone says, I lost it. You don't just give it to them. They have to give signs. Then there's something talking about a worker concerning his or her tool. You have a carpenter and the carpenter lost the hammer and the carpenter takes the hammer in his hand, he doesn't look for a sign. He just throws it around in his hand. If you ever watch this happen, it's really magnificent. He, he just, there's a connection there, and he'll tell you immediately, no, this is not my hammer. Yes, this is my hammer. Um, in ancient, uh, you know, 
ancient Far East, they used to have the same relationship with their weapons. Um, and then even here, you know, you know the, the West, you, you have this relationship, which after you've put yourself so much into it, it, it almost becomes an extension of your being. And that is a halachic definition of, yeah, we can trust this person, it's theirs. What's, what's that? What's that throwing it up in the air and feeling it and seeing the way the grip goes? And there's something beyond wisdom and understanding. There's something called that. You find it in the medical field. There's a huge difference between a graduated doctor who could have years of patience or a healer. You find it in the difference between certain musicians you find it and i'm not talking about you're just born with it yes you know uh itzik perlman was was born you know at the age of three understood the difference between a violin and a violin but then there's even if you're born with it it must be developed there has to be this hard effort where the mind takes you beyond the mind so when we talk about dot we're talking about, yes, it's the mind, it's the intellect, but it's the intellect taking you to another sense, another dimension, which is beyond what we would label as academic intellect. Let's talk about this even from a perspective of the martial artists. You know, knowing how to kick and knowing all the moves and knowing all the shadow movements, all of that, it's all beautiful. That doesn't make you a, a martial artist. There's something which it becomes deeper than the mind understanding. It's almost as it became second nature and sometimes even first nature. There's that place where the intellect takes you beyond just an intellectual connection. That, that is that. And the question is, how do you develop that? And that's why the Alter Rebbe in chapter 3 of Tanya, he, he first talks about wisdom and understanding. And then when it comes to explaining fully, and we did this in the first class on this chapter, um, class number 6, we spoke about the Adam family. We spoke about how intellect gives birth to emotions. There's the parents and the offspring, the intellect, the emotion, father, wisdom, mother, understanding, consummation, dot, knowledge. And then from there, you have to have feelings. And we spoke about the commandment to love God is to know God, but not just to academically know God. You will not have feelings from academic knowledge. Thus, when it comes to the last piece of chapter 3, the Alter Rebbe says, you can have wisdom and understanding. Now, understand that the Alter Rebbe's wisdom and understanding that he's describing in chapter 3 is not just a shallow, on the surface, yeah, I got it. No, he's talking about wisdom in its fullest. He's talking about understanding in its fullest. And yet, he says that the offspring will not be true offspring. He calls them dimyonot shav false fancies there's a huge difference between true tangible durable sustainable feelings emotions and false fancies and thus 
that is the most important component that will decide whether this is a true feeling or it's just a passing fragrance. Uh, the previous Rebbe, blessed memory, when he came to uh, America, he was Rebbe in Russia for 10 years, in Poland for 10 years, and then in America, he passed away in 1950. And he said the difference between the Russian and the American in his experience in trying to ignite the soul with love and fear. He says that the Russians take a long time to ignite. They're like a log. But once they're burning, they're burning. Then he went on to say that the Americans, he finds, very easy to ignite. They're like twigs, but twigs burn out quickly. One would say that that is the difference between dot or not dot. If you're going to stand in a speech, or you're going to listen to an inspirational speaker, you're going to get inspired, that's a twig. You don't get inspired in a moment. If it's going to be real, there has to be an in-depth process of wisdom, an in-depth process of understanding, and then there has to be the dot. Now, interesting, if you look into Tanya, what the Alter Rebbe describes as dot, it doesn't seem to be a intellect as a noun as much as a verb. And he talks about iske Yiske means like uh, you draw a peg into the ground. Be'oimitz, hard, strenuous. And he talks about staying focused, not having your mind bouncing all over the place. Really concentration. This is the opposite of meditation. Both of them remove all other thoughts, but it's a very different format. This is lasering in, bringing your faculties of wisdom and understanding to the table and truly throwing yourself into it intellectually. And yet on the other hand, he goes ahead and he quotes that if you want to know what I mean by that and what Kabbalah means by that, you need to go back to Genesis with Adam and Eve. When it talks about Adam and Eve consummating for the first time, the verse says, Adam yada et and Adam knew Eve. Thus, we're talking here about this oneness. And therefore, he says, and how do you create a oneness between your mind and what you're studying? So he talks about the yiska machshaftoi be'oimis, strong concentration, becoming completely focused and one, focusing your entire mind, all your living brain cells, all your neural pathways that are of the conscious mind, are all dealing and focusing with this here. There's no stray thoughts running through your mind. You are completely focused and concentrating on understanding that which you have just studied. That's how he defines dot. And that, going back to the blink, anyone who has flirted with a topic or has not fully given himself to a topic to the point where it's no more you and the topic, but you and the topic have become one, will never experience the blink, regardless of how many years you've been doing it. If you're drudging your way to your work and it's not what you really want to do and you're just doing it, but you're not becoming one with it, 
it, it just, you will not have the blink. Which leads me to another part of, in the previous chapter, the Alter Rebbe talks about the knower, the known, and the knowledge. And he talks about how God, who Hayadeya, he is the one who knows, he is that which is known, and he is the knowledge. And thus, ultimately, God knows everything because he knows himself. Thus, he is all three in one. While for human beings, it doesn't work that way. For human beings, we have the famous quote of Aristotle when they caught him doing something less than uh, befitting of him. And they asked him, but professor, how, how could it be? And he said, does a mathematician become a triangle? In other words, for us, there's three steps. There is three different concepts. There is I who wants to know. There is the knowledge. And there is the book. Or whatever it is I'm studying. But let's talk about now a book. All three are three different things. And the mind is trying to internalize the knowledge. And when you do that, without getting to that, there will always remain three things. They'll always remember, they always remain me, what I know, and that which is known. That doesn't tolerate that. That is when that which you know have become one with you, and thus it's an extension of your being. And therefore, I gave you that example in the Talmud of Bab of the carpenter who picks up his hammer. To a carpenter, a hammer is literally an extension of his hand. And the last thing a carpenter wants to do is get a new hammer. There's an emotional break and mourning, almost, so to speak. Because there's a dot relationship. The martial artist who has gone beyond just learning all the moves and practicing all the moves, he has become a martial artist. He has become his reactions don't even take a millisecond of processing because it's who he is. The people that went into that museum, it didn't take a, a millisecond of, of processing. One look and the stomach turned. And they can't even articulate it because articulation is the birth child of wisdom and understanding, not of knowledge. So now I want to introduce the words that the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe says in his final analysis of that long series. He talks about something, Hakara Bahargasha. Hakara is to recognize. Hargasha comes from the word regesh, feeling, a very refined feeling. That's what the blink is. And that's what's talking about with emotions so as long as something remains nothing but academic data and even though you are literally the ultimate expert and genius of this data but if you're acting as a computer that has in it all the knowledge the computer and its knowledge never become one 
and thus the computer will never have feelings from its knowledge. The way Hasidim would talk about it before the computer came along, they would talk about a bookcase full of books. The bookcase, the wood or the metal or whatever you made the bookcase out of, the bookcase has never bonded, has never become one with the books. And thus there is no reaction to the bookcase which is holding all the books. When we talk about knowledge, unlike you'll see later as we move on to the next chapters of the garments, unlike commandments, when I put on tefillin, my hand doesn't change. I don't digest it. Rather, mitzvot are called garments. They encompass me. When you study Torah, you digest it. The gray mass and beneath the gray mass, the white mass of the brain is changing. The neuroplasticity is changing. The weight of your brain is changing. The crevices of your brain is changing because you are digesting. It is becoming literally your flesh and blood and thus the Torah is called bread. Now, on, a, on, a, on the level that we're talking about now, for me to have feelings that are beyond just the tears that you shed sitting for a moment in a movie theater, or the awe and inspiration you sit when you have an, intuition, an inspirational speaker before, you, before the first text comes in and reminds you that this was all a wonderful moment, but now back to real life. Because everything you're experiencing isn't real. To make something real for you takes full, full blossom wisdom, full blossom understanding, and a very strenuous process of that. So deep is the process to the point where you have four boxes of tefillin, because that which you know about God has truly become one with you in your absolute concentration and focus. I'm going to share with you a teaching of the Rebbe by Efebrengen. And it's, it's very interesting to understand, but I, I want to share it with you here. The Rebbe spoke about a famous person, the Sifse Kohen. He used to learn on the roof of his house. He's on the code of Jewish law many generations ago. And he's, he was studying on the roof of the house and being deep, deep concentration, he held the, uh, the Talmud in his hands and he was walking. And he walked right off his roof and, and he just walked on thin ear onto the other roof. And that became known as the famous miracle of the Shach. His name was the Shach because of his uh, initials to his book, Sifse Cohen, The Lips of a Cohen. Uh, if you want to know some interesting history about him, um, he, he's the one, if you ever read the book, uh, The Adopted Princess, that's his daughter. Um, but anyway, uh, he had a very difficult life until later. But the point I'm trying to say is that everyone spoke about this miracle, this miracle that's known, how God protected, he walked off the roof and then he just walked straight onto the next roof. The Rebbe by Afabringen, one started explaining it isn't a miracle. Why, why isn't it a miracle? 
Because at that moment, the entire being of this shach, the Sifse Kohen, was intellect. His body was nothing more than an external transparent vessel to what he was do doing. The Boshemta says, there where, you, that, there where your mind is, that's where you are. He wasn't in this physical realm. He was in the realm of intellect. I want to take it to a step deeper. The laws of Shabbat says that if I'm carrying something in a cup, and the real important thing is the inside, not the cup, then the cup doesn't become part of the carrying. It's all about the inside. So too, one would say from that law, at that moment, that human being, the cup wasn't really important. The cup wasn't having an impact. It was all about intellect. And then the Rebbe went to say, on, say that intellect defies gravity. Two plus two, that, that intellectual concept that two plus two equals four is not affected by gravity. Thus, the Shach, the Rebbe said, becoming a piece of intellect walked straight without being affected by gravity. And the Rebbe went on to say that makes sense. He reached the ultimate experience that he became what he was doing to the point where physically God accepted that, the laws of nature accepted that, and therefore he just wasn't subject to gravity. That is what the Alter Rebbe is talking about at the end of chapter 3. That level of oneness, that level of total focused concentration, that is the consummation between wisdom and understanding that gives birth to a feeling. And thus, this consummation is an intellect that already is the process of birthing emotions. And now we understand the verb part of it is that which the Altareba writes, focus, every, every part of your firing off of the neurons in your brain. Is, or the conscious neuron. Of course, you have the, the motor skills, you know, the, that, that has to control your whole body. But every conscious neuron that's firing your brain is completely one and only into what you're studying. This is why it says that there was a Rebbe that said, the third Lubavitch Rebbe, he was so focused in his study, he had a pointy hat, and literally the whole hat would turn wet from the sweat of the study. Sweat normally comes from physical labor. But this labor of, of, of the Rebbe, the third of Rebbe, when he was studying, was so strenuous, was so tangible, that he sweat from it. The Arizal says that the reason why he merited for prophecy was Zaya, the sweat. So you're talking about such a strenuous concentration where literally were you to sit next to a person in such concentration, or literally physically, if you were to sit in front of a wall with such concentration, the wall would actually have the moistness of heat, which is just coming out of you. Because all the blood that's working through your mind, that mind is working in full force. That's the verb of dot. The noun of dot is the blink. The noun of that is, is, is the gift of developing beyond the academic 
wisdom and understanding intellects. It is to develop a hakara, a recognition, and hargasha, and a feeling. That hakara and hargasha, that's where we start having feelings. Where it's no more the lump of, of flesh and blood, the metaphysical intellect, and that which is being known. But rather, it truly fuses into one. That level of dot immediately translates the academic, abstract intellect into tangible emotions. Because that's the job of dot, to become one with it. Now, the Rebbe once told someone in a private audience, I heard it from the person himself, that everyone's told someone that even though if you, if you just look, what makes different the human from the animal is the power of intellect. But the Rebbe said not so. The true difference between the human and the, in, and the animal is emotions. Because the emotions of an animal are not the emotions of a human. Let's say it even clearer. What makes the human intellect real within the human being is when the human intellect creates emotions. Because the truest depth of a person is their emotions. And thus we know, every salesman will tell you, they have never made a sale through the brain. If they couldn't connect the emotions, the person wasn't moved into action. And thus you'll always find the real estate agent asking, Asking you such interesting, peculiar questions. So what color would you paint this house if you did buy it? And what they're trying to do is get beyond the intellect and start having an emotional connection. That is the job of that. But that doesn't do it in a manipulative way. That does it the proper long way. And thus I want to share with you one more concept and then we'll call it a night for tonight. Um, When you talk about feelings becoming the person, when you talk about making something tangibly real, when you're talking about loving God, and the mitzvah says to know God is to love God, we're talking about this type of concentration. Changes will never happen from a shallow intellect. Changes will only happen from the process of a real strong knowledge and intellect so therefore when we talk about the chapter 3 we talk about intellect giving birth to emotions remember that there has to be the dot part there has to be this strenuous real hard concentration the one that really causes you to, to break into a sweat the one that draws the blood into your brain and really focuses and fires off all those neurons so that the blood can then later bring it back to the heart. And thus you truly, truly translate the abstract intellect into the tangible emotion. And now what I wanted to tell you was that later in Tanya, you're going to see that the Alter Rebbe is going to define what he says on his cover page. On his cover page, he says that he wants to teach us what it means the verse in Deuteronomy that it is close to you in your heart, in your th 
thought and in, in your action and in your speech. And when he says heart, he refers to thought. But why does he use the word heart? Yes, there is a, a, a verse that says, and the heart understands, which is intellectual. So the teachers tell us that what he meant is he wants to include love and fear. How do people give birth to real emotions for God? Later on, he finishes that saying, I want to explain it in this book, the longer, shorter way and the shorter, longer way. If you want to know where this comes from, just tell you briefly, it comes from a medrash in the book of uh, Lamentations, Eicha. It talks about the, the Isaiah says over there, Jeremiah says over there, that he talks about how the brilliance of the children of Jerusalem and the Medrash gives some examples. And one of the examples it gives that a person who is traveling to Jerusalem, he comes to a fork in the road and he asked the kid from Jerusalem standing over there by the tree, which way do I take? And he says, this way is longer, shorter. This way is shorter, longer. He heard shorter. He went the shorter, longer way. And sure enough, very soon he finds that the road is impossible for him to travel with his carriage. And he comes back. He says to the kid, what are you, what are you playing with me? He said, no, I told you. This is shorter in distance, but it's longer because you're not going to make it. You're going to have to come back. This is longer in distance, but it's shorter. You'll get there. So the Alter Rebbe is really in Tanya explaining that, that there is a shorter, longer way to get emotions, and there's the longer, shorter way. And the Alter Rebbe says, in a case of emergency, you'll see later when we get up to that chapter, in case of emergency, break glass and, and push button. What that means is, in the case of emergency, right now, I need to have enough feelings for, for God instantly in order not to fall into temptation. That's one way. That's the shorter, longer way. The reason why it's shorter, longer is because it's not sustainable. So what is the longer, shorter way? The longer, shorter way is this chapter three. The longer, shorter way is wisdom, understanding, and then the verb of dot. Concentration, concentration, concentration. He or she who spends enough time Studying Hasidus to know God in the wisdom, in the understanding, the details. I know God. What's God? Hey, God. No. I can give you an 18-hour lecture. The second Baba Chedeva once gave his son an 18-hour discourse on Hasidus. So to be able to talk for 18 hours about God, and they're all intellectual and academic and understood, that means that this man has had great hours of study of who God is. The infinite light, the circular light, the linear light, the relationship, creator, creation, ten emanations, above ten emanations, below. Really be able to talk and then to concentrate. He or she who can concentrate for a lengthy time. Later, when they need to immediately activate the love of fear for God, it comes back very easily. In halacha, in the laws of kashrut, it's called chayzer v'nir. It quickly reawakens. And this I'm going to close with a story of a movie. There is a movie that's based on a true story, and I believe it's called The American Mobster. It's the story of a head of a, of a mafia who died, and everyone was fighting who's going to take over, but his security guard, it's a true story, his security guard, I later looked it up on Wikipedia, who was the cop who arrested him, who was he, very interesting, he was an African-American, and actually, the cop that arrested him, <laughs> believe it or not, 
is the godfather of his son. They became very close. But the point I'm trying to make is that in the movie, you'll see that there's this entire process of how the guard is the one who knows better than anyone all the connections. He went and he sat down in his room and he literally took everything out of his room and he sat there for two weeks just thinking. So I want to just share with you that if you go behind the movie and you look at behind the scenes where they really interview him and they asked him what happened, he says these words. You sit down two weeks alone in a room thinking, ain't no one going to beat you fast. That is that. You concentrate. You consummate what you know about God, what you've studied about God, the academic, the wisdom, the understanding, and you really until you have developed the blink, the hakara, the hagarsh the recognition and the feeling to immediately identify God in every situation. Ain't no one going to beat you fast. Thank you.